Pickleball is a fun sport, as any addict will tell you. However, fellow podcaster Tony Roig, who hosts the Pickleball Therapy podcast, talks about how the game can also be very frustrating. So get ready for some tips on how to deal with having a bad day on the court and remember what's really important about the game. Let's get to the intro to hear from Tony. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Tony Roig. Did I get that right, Tony? You got it absolutely correct, unless you were in Barcelona speaking Catalan, in which case you did not. But in our the way we pronounce it here, absolutely. Pleasure to be here, Lynn. Uh, thanks for having me on the Pickleball Fire. All right. Well, I appreciate you being on today. And really, there is just so much I want to talk about with you because you do so many different things with pickleball. But I do always like to go ahead and start out with how you started playing pickleball and how long ago that was. All right. Let's see. Uh, It's been a few years now for me. So it used to be easier, right? Because you'd be like, well, I started two years ago, a year ago. I think we started in 15 or so. And the reason I think it's 15 is because I know we played in the first U.S. Open, which I think was in 2016. So whatever year the U.S. Open was, we played. We started the year before that, towards the end of the year. And my wife Jill and I were both uh, tennis players prior to pickleball. We had, we you know, we came over from from playing tennis, and actually we met playing tennis on a mixed doubles team together. We were partnered up together, and you know, romance happens and all that. So that's how how, how love develops, I guess. Um, we shared that commonality. And then Jill's really good friend, Charlotte had been playing pickleball for a bit. She's also a tennis, she's a tennis pickleball straddler, plays both sports to this day. But, you know, she invited us out to play pickleball one weekend. I remember thinking to myself, this is going to be fun. I mean, I'm fine. You know, it's going to be nice. We'll have lunch afterwards and everything. So it'll be a lovely day. But, you know, I didn't think much of the sport. I didn't expect much of the sport. And uh, I was the, I guess the, 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 not perennial, but the, paradigm a tennis snob about it, even though I didn't really know what pickleball was. And I I went out to play, we went out to play in a group. And the the good fortune for us was that day there was a, a player named Steve who was also the he was like the the he was the actual he was a pickleball, he was a tennis pro at the facility and also their pickleball pro. And he just put a whooping on us, right? And so I was like, wait a minute, what I don't understand what happened here, right? I'm a pretty decent tennis player at that point. I think I was a four or five tennis player. So, you know, I'm an okay tennis player. And I'm like, how am I getting beat at this silly thing, right? With this little plastic ball. So from there, I'm self-employed. So I have flexibility in my days. And so I started going to the rec centers for open play. Met a friend, Tom DiCaprio, a good friend of mine. He was kind of in the same boat I was kind of figuring out this sport. And so we started playing and, and getting to know each other. And so we we played the first U.S. Open in 2016, and Tom Tom was like, "Why don't we just play Open?" And I'm like, "Fine." So we played Open, and our first match at the U.S. Open was against Dan Moore and Wes Gabrielson at eight o'clock in the morning on a Friday. That that is actually an interesting format that year. They had one day qualifier, so you basically played one match, and then if you won your match, then you played Open, or they didn't call it Pro; they just called it Open. So you played Open. If you lost the match, then you you sort of drop down into 5.0. So we played Dan and Wes, super nice guys, gentlemen at every aspect of the game. They put a, a hurting on us, but it was from that point on that set the hook and neither Jill nor I have picked up a tennis racket in the same amount of time, about five years. So that's how we got into pickleball and how we've stayed in it. It's such a fascinating sport and just always something to learn, I think. 
So we can then say you are not a straddler. I am not a straddler. I, I have hit a I, I have hit a tennis ball. Maybe I've been on a tennis. I've been I've been on a tennis court because that's where the pickleball courts are. But I have not hit a tennis ball more than more than three or four different occasions in the last five years. And I used to play USDA at least probably twice a year. You know, two leagues a year. Played USDA. Used to play pretty regularly. And yeah, nope, pickleball, hundred percent. Well, awesome. And you are one of the few people that I've interviewed that also has a pickleball podcast and yours is called Pickleball Therapy. Tell me how it got its name. Absolutely. So we, we, at the time, I'm trying to remember who was, who already had podcasts. I know that I think Mark had his podcast and Barrett had his podcast at the time. I don't, I don't think, I don't know. When did you start your podcast? About six months ago. Okay. So you, I think we are I think pickleball therapy started a little before that, I think. So, and there was actually one, I don't know if you know about this one, but there was, and I can't remember the name of it, but there was one that actually predated, I think all of those that I mentioned. And I think the gentleman's name was Chris. I don't, he's not doing it anymore, but he had a, a nice little podcast out there. And so, you know, wanted to do a podcast that as the name implies or suggests, I should say not implies, but suggests it's basically trying to help folks normalize their thinking or maybe not get frustrated with the sport. Maybe kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you climb this hill? Right. And maybe how do you recognize that it's maybe, maybe it's a little bit of Sisyphus, right? You know, it's just, you push up the rock and then it rolls back a little bit and then you push it up some more and then it rolls back a little bit and you just keep working at it. And maybe it's an unclimbable hill. I'm not sure, but that's, uh, that's the objective of, of the podcast. Well, I love that angle. And just for me to clarify, actually, I was incorrect. I started in October 2020 because soon I'm going to be coming up on my 100th episode and I do two a week. (laughs) But yeah, I'm with you. Actually, Chris Allen had a great podcast and I think it ended right about when I started playing pickleball sometime in 2018. But he he had a great voice, had really excellent guests. But getting back to yours, I love I love what you do. And like you had said, I mean, this is mostly you kind of sort of every once in a while interview people, I think on your podcast, but it's, it's really you talking about the game, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, you could say, Lynn, I think that, that maybe I started the podcast as a way to as just an outlet, right? Someplace where I could just go and and rant for 10 or 15 minutes. Our podcasts are pretty short, you know, 10 to 15 minutes usually. And, and so I was like, well, I just want to have a place where I can turn on, you know, because we, we create content for YouTube in any event, right. And VI pickleball in any event, you know, I have the equipment, right. So I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to just talk. So, you know, it was a, a little bit, uh, a little bit like that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been an, and it's been an interesting journey for me, Lynn. I mean, I, I, I imagine it's similar for you and I wonder what your thoughts are on this, but you know, when you're doing the the work of putting together the podcast or interviewing somebody or just thinking about the the game, it really helps you, I don't know, maybe it just helps you open your mind to the game a little more, right? It helps you maybe see things a little differently. And I'll tell you personally, the interview that I was able to conduct with Coach Peter Scales early on in the podcast history really helped me personally, you know, in terms of my development as a, just as a, as a player and just as a human being in terms of my appreciation for, uh, you know, the game and uh, the game being bigger than me and things like that. Those are things that I don't know that I would have had the, the, maybe the the discipline to ponder or think about where I not, I'm going to say forced and I'm putting quotes around force because I don't view it as being a negative, right. But being forced to think about it through the process of working on these podcasts or these, you know, the YouTube process. So it's been uh, really helpful to me. 
And can you go a little bit more into depth in terms of what you learned from Dr. Scales? Oh, absolutely. He he has a really, and, and, and to give it context there too, I think for, for, for Coach Pete, he actually, he learned a lot through his own process of writing the book that he wrote, Mental and Emotional Training for Tennis, Compete, Learn, Honor is the name of the book. If anybody wants to get it, it's on Amazon. It's an amazing book. Ignore the part that says for tennis. He's a tennis coach primarily. His wife is full-time pickleball. Coach Pete, I think, is slowly straddling that tennis pickleball line. But, you know, the concepts in there apply equally to, to our sport. And, you know, he, he, he mentions that when he started playing, he, was, he started playing tennis in his 40s. And he used to, I don't know that he broke rackets, but he would get very frustrated and upset. And, and he's a trained psychologist. So he's, he's standing on the court saying, what is going on here? You know, I'm a trained psychologist, but I am losing my mind. Like if I was a you know two-year-old throwing a tantrum on the court because I missed a shot. And I think that, the, so I think his, his journey, his learning process led him to where he, he distilled everything to these three general, not general, but these three concepts of compete learn and honor. And I remember the, the when we did the podcast, I think you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this, right? So we did the podcast and I, I did a little um, blurb about it, right? So I sent it to Coach Pete, say, hey, what do you think about this? And I, I referenced the book and everything. And he, he said, oh, lo- oh, it looks really nice. He says, but can you include Compete, Learn, Honor? Because I had just, the Compete, Learn, Honor is like a subtitle to his book. And I didn't really, I hadn't thought about it, but really that's the whole point. The mental and emotional training is just describing the book, right? But the compete, learn, honor is really the whole thing. And it's kind of in backward order because honoring the game is really the the fundamental principle that you need to digest and 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 adapt to or adopt to yourself. That didn't sound right. Adopt to the game or, or bring into the game. So honoring the game and then, you know, learning and then competing. You want to compete when you're out there. You want to learn when you're out there playing. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're honoring not just uh, yourself, that's important to honor yourself, but you're honoring your partner who's out there, you know, battling with you. And importantly, and something that I had never thought about, you have to honor your opponents. And, you know, because without opponents, you know, there is no pickable. You know, you can't, you, you can go out there like you and I, Lynn, we could go out to the court and play, but if two other people don't want to play with us, we could play singles. But even singles, right, breaks down because if you don't want to play against me in singles, then I can't play it by myself. So you should honor your opponents for stepping out on the court with you and and really allowing you to enjoy the sport of pickleball. So those three principles are just fascinating. And the more you think about it, the more it helps you out there when you're playing, not get lost in the pop-up or the missed shot or whatever the whatever the thing that's bothering you. I love that philosophy. And I think it's so perfect for pickleball because pickleball is such a, you know, welcoming sport. And and just like you were talking about, you know, honoring your opponent and your partner, regardless of, of what the skill level is, it's, you know, such an important part I've, of the game. I, I Agreed. And it, but it's something that I don't think, you know, I, I, why would you think about that? If, again, if you're not, I'm going to use the term forced again, forced to think about it, right. You, we go out there and we miss the shot or, or whatever happens, you know, and we get so involved in our own selves, right? Sometimes, and uh, we lose context, right? Lose perspective of of the of the bigger picture. And I think that's really important. And one thing, uh, Lynn, that that Coach Pete shared during the summit, his summit presentation uh, a few weeks ago, was a picture of uh, Rafael Nadal, who's obviously you know he's one of the top two or three men's players in history. I think is fair to say. 
and it was a picture of him after a training session that he had had where, you know, they play on the, that red clay over in, in Spain and he had training. He had just finished a training session and it's a picture of Nadal dragging a, it's basically like a broom sort of a thing behind him, uh, sweeping the courts. So maintaining his court after he's trained. So here you have, and obviously financially, he can hire a team of people to do that for him if he wants to. He's one of the greatest players, doesn't need to do it in the sense that he could have somebody else do it. But I think he does need to do it in his mind, in the sense that he is, he's keeping context, right? For himself, he's keeping perspective for himself, even though he's a great player, he's not bigger than this game. And he's showing respect and honoring the game by the act of sweeping his own court after he trains on it, which I thought was really um, impactful. It is. That's really special and, you know, definitely shows the kind of player he is. I've, I've followed him for years. So one, one thing I'm curious about is, you know, you had mentioned that the podcast pickleball therapy podcast is, you know, helping people to climb that hill, not be frustrated. I mean, what else do, do you think people really get frustrated by besides missing shots that you talk about in your podcast? I mean, what, you know, one of the common things I think that happens to players and, you know, particularly you mentioned something that I think is really, it's one of the great assets of our sport. It's the openness of the sport. It's the easy, easy accessibility of our sport, I think is one of the beauties of it. And frankly, one of the reasons why, and I, I would imagine it, it, it impacts you as well in terms of your desire to help grow this sport with your efforts with the podcast and otherwise, um, you know, with a magazine and the podcast sharing information, right? So, you know, I, I see the sport as something that can uh, change lives for people, you know, in terms of it being so accessible to them. But at the same time, what that does is it, it, it allows folks who maybe have, don't have a background in any kind of athletic endeavor to experience, you know, some level of athletic competition. And when I say some level, because they can just play rec, which is perfectly fine, or they can play tournaments like we did at the open. They can do whatever they want in this sport. But that creates sometimes that can bring with it insecurity and or high or, or bring out insecurity and maybe embarrassment, discomfort. Those are kind of normal human reactions, particularly when you're in a new environment or an uncomfortable environment. And so I think that that's something that, that one of the concepts that Coach Pete talks about that helps there is the idea of being a learner. That's where the compete learn honors are the second one, being a learner. You know, basically talks about how regardless of your level, whether you're a 2.0 or a 5.0, you're always learning in this game. And, you know, if, if we accept that we're always learning, then when we make mistakes on the court, which mistakes are going to happen regardless of your level, you don't, the mistake doesn't become bigger than it needs to be. It doesn't become some, you know, I'm a horrible person or I don't know what I'm doing. Why should I be on the court? You know, the questions that sometimes are the doubts that can sometimes creep into our mind. And instead, what you do is you look at it as an opportunity to grow as a player, to learn as a player, to, to, to perhaps improve that if you, if that's your choice. And one of the things that, that really jumped out to me in this last summit that we did, being able to interview, you know, Deb Harrison, John Sperling, you know, folks who have medals, you know, Gene Smythe, Yvonne Ting, right? People, players who have medals at all levels of the game, you know, is that they're still growing in the game, right? You know, Deb Harrison, when I was with her on, at her courts in, in Florida, showed me she wanted to show me her the shot she's working on she's working on kind of improving the dip on her on her forehand drive and i thought it was just fascinating to see 
a player who is as accomplished as she is continue to work on her game. Yvonne Ting has medals all over the place. I think she just won, I forget which tournament, she just you know, won the senior pro with Dave Weinbach, I believe, as her partner. And But she's still working on her game. She's not sitting on her laurels going, I'm done. And so if we understand that Yvonne Ting and players like that, Ben Johns, Kyle Yates, they're all learning still. Then when we make a mistake, that instead of viewing that as, as an awful thing and 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 a judgment on our character, it's simply uh, something that we're learning from and we're hopefully can improve. So that's definitely sage advice. And one of the things that you mentioned in there was kind of talking about, you know, sometimes when you have doubts. And I've I've recently started playing with a new group of people who are very skilled. And it's kind of like one day I'm like absolutely with them. And then the other day I played and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need to go practice and, you know, do something else. But what what do you recommend, you know, when people do have doubts? Well, I mean, I think, I think the, the, you know, the context of it, I think is important. In other words, I mean, if you know, we're all going to have bad days. And in fact, I'll share with you, speaking with John Sperling the other day, and he played in the, I believe it was the Kalamazoo tournament recently. And he just had a just an outing that you wouldn't expect. I asked, actually asked, I called him to make sure he was okay, that he wasn't injured because I saw the the results. And when you look at it on paper, you say, well, that there's something that didn't make sense. And he said, no, he said, I'm fine. I just, you know, I had a, it was a rough day for him that day. The, the, like his plane got delayed two times on his trip up. They, they, the hotel didn't hold his reservation or sold out the room or something, you know, from under him. So basically like the rental car wasn't there. It was like, like just a series of mishaps during the day. And that interfered with his ability to perform on the court. But he had a really good, really good attitude about it. You know, he's one of the, I think he's, last time I talked to him, he was a number two ranked player in the world, right? So he's obviously a very talented player, very successful player. But even a player like John can have a bad day. I mean, Ben Johns has had bad days. And I think that the main thing when you're, from my vantage point, when you're out there and you're maybe having a rough go of it, it's, it's understanding the, 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 putting perspective around what's happening, right? In other words, you know, understanding that you are going to have bad days, but also understanding the bigger picture, which is that, you know, what we're out there doing is we're out there to enjoy the game, right? We're out there to maybe get some exercise as part of our, as our exercise routine, and also to have some social interaction with other folks. And if we let the missed shot or the pop-up or something like that interfere with that, then aren't we undermining the whole endeavor, right? Aren't we undermining the kind of our mission and being out there? The reason you got in the car or rode your bike or walked to your courts, right, was to have this experience. And then you're going to let, you know, something that is very human, missing a shot or just, you know, whatever, just losing a game or something like that, interfere with your experience. That's just not, not, not productive, right? So. All right. Well, more, more great tips. And these are things that, you know, aren't talked about a lot on podcasts or in sports or in, in videos. So I really appreciate all that. One thing that I do want to make sure we get to is we talked about your podcast, but you've got a couple other endeavors into pickle, VI pickleball. And I believe you wrote a book. Tell me about all those. <laughs> okay. I'll do it in reverse order. So the, the book is called play pickleball. And what I was trying to do was basically, and I, I'm going to guess, Lynn, that you've had this experience too as a content creator with, you know, I sat down at my computer and I said, you know, I just want to write something for uh, beginner players, write something to kind of help them get into the game and understand how to score and move and things like that. And you start writing and you start writing and keep writing. And the next thing you know, you're like, 
okay, I'm a lot of pages into this thing now. And, and then I wanted some visual aid. So we did some slides and some photos out on court and did some, you know, show the pendulum swing. Then we did to, to, to back up, not the backup, but to basically fill in stuff that's in the book to show it visually and ended up with this book called play pickleball. You know, we, we we're proud of it. We think it's, 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 I think it's probably the most complete document available to a new player looking to play pickleball. Nan Spear out of California was grateful enough to help me edit it. I think when she, when she got into the project, she was like, ah, that sounds great. And then, you know, after, 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 after dealing with me for a couple of weeks, she was like, oh my God, what are you into? And I'm just kidding. But she, she was super good about it. And actually a funny story about that was I had done these slides. And if you look at some of our older written materials, like I have an out balls decision tree, I had my slides originally had like the the man and the woman that look like they look like a bathroom man and a woman, you know, like the same kind of icon. And basically they were like, they had these colors, right? Cause I wanted to color code them so you could see them easier. And, and then there was like some greens and some blues and some raspberries and all these different things going on. And so I did a bunch of slides and I was just in a, on a mission and I, I finished the slides. I sent them to Nan and Jill to my wife and, and to look at, and they were like, huh, like these slides are pretty colorful. And not sure about the whole thing you got going on here with these bathroom looking things or whatever. So basically I had to go back to the drawing board and I came up with like, uh, I had to come up with like, a, I kind of come up with like a unisex player, you know, and then I used gray background and then much more muted colors. And I think the end product is like a hundred times better than it would have been, but that was that project. And that was, that was a lot of fun to do. And that's what ended up being that book. And that book, we have it like it's a, di- there's a digital version that's available on the website at intopickle.com. And then there's the the print version. If you want the, like the hard copy version, that's on Amazon. And what I learned on this Lynn is that it is crazy expensive to have anything printed on demand like these books. So the price is what it is because you know, it's just crazy expensive to have a and that makes sense. I mean, I guess, you know, because we we don't stock like a thousand of them or anything like that. You order it and they print it and they send it to you. So, and then uh, what do you want to know about Into Pickle? Yeah. Yep. All right. Into Pickle started in 2018, I think somewhere around there. And uh, same thing again, I'm going to su- suggest it's probably very similar to how you got into Pickleball Fire. It's just a, you know, I, I, Jill and I were chatting about it and we liked what we saw out there. We liked, you know, Joe Baker's videos. We were watching Mark Renison, Sarah Ansbury, Deb Harrison. At the time, I think CJ was already out at the time, better pickleball, you know, so we were, we were watching those, but we said, you know what, we think there's a space for some, for another voice, you know, in this, in this area. And so we launched into pickle and we tried to focus on mostly on fundamentals on trying to keep, you know, we, we're of the mindset that there's no, there's no silver bullet. I always tell folks, I don't do a lot of on-court training, but when I do, I usually start off by prefacing it with, I don't have a. I don't have a silver bullet for you today. Like I don't have some a shot I'm going to teach you that is going to make you amazing all of a sudden. And, you know, and so really the focus is on basics, right? And on fundamentals and just doing them really well over and over again. And then that's how you get better. So we wanted to focus on that. And that's how Into Pickle started. And uh, we, you know, we've been producing the videos for a while and some written assets and things like that. And then, you know, we did the summit in CJ. I was a guest on the last year summit at the 20, what are we in? I guess the 2019 summit, the COVID summit. And we, you know, CJ and I started chatting about kind of our, our thoughts on content creation and, and helping players improve. And we thought there was a, there was a need for some more structured online, online teaching and online community 
where people could, players could learn to play with an online presence. And and part of that, Lynn, I think is, is, you know, one of the things that, that we're, we're still lacking in pickleball is some infrastructure. And I'm not saying we're lacking it in a bad way. It's just, it's a fact that we're lacking it, in my opinion, in, in, in the sense that it's just lagging behind, right? Because the sport keeps on growing, but we don't have the same infrastructure as some other sports. And an example would be tennis. Like if you wanted to learn to play tennis almost anywhere in the country, you could probably find, you know, 10 instructors within 20 miles of where you live who could teach how to play tennis. But to try and find, you know, qualified instructors within, within particularly some of the remote areas that, that play pickleball, it's difficult. And so the online, the fact that we can do this online helps us reach players who may not have access to uh, quality instruction within where they're living and playing pickleball. And so that's something that I think the online online presence helps us. So then we started VI Pickleball and we've been working with our with the members in our community to help them improve. And so far, so good. So all right then. To finish up, then if somebody wants to reach out, where's the best place to contact you? They can find you can reach me at Tony at we are pickleball.com, literally like it sounds, no dashes, no nothing, just we are pickleball.com. And uh, just Tony there, and uh, or Tony at Into Pickle still works as well, either one. And it's in, in the number two pickle.com. And always happy to hear from folks and try and uh, figure out what we can do to help players become the best they can be. That's always our objective, is, you know, we don't give them. We don't try and say, you know, if you want to become a 4.0 or 4.5, that's fine. That's your choice. But, you know, we we our goal for folks is to have them become the best big wall players they can be. And we want to do what we can to help them get there. All right. Well, be sure and contact Tony then to become the best player you can be. He's got lots of options that you can learn more about pickleball. So, Tony, thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast today. Really enjoyed having you. Lynn, a pleasure, and thank you for all you're doing to help grow the sport. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 